0: Hey, welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast on the road. I'm your host, Joel, and I have my wonderful, amazing wife, Laura, with me. And um, we have Carla here, and Carla is in Christchurch, and um, she's been bold and strong and has said, yes, let let me share my story, reached out to us while we're uh, traveling through Christchurch, and it's so cool to just see that, you know, some, some people are just going, yeah, Lord, that's me. I've seen that ad. I'm going to share my story. My my story is strong. My story is powerful. And um, that's that's what it's about. Never never underestimate your story. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that uh, saying, don't we, babe? Um, your story could be the key to somebody else's prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it couldn't be truer. So, yeah, Carla, thank you for joining us.
1: Mm, you're welcome. Absolutely welcome.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, so what we'll do, we'll just pass it straight over to you, get straight well, into your story, and um, we'll jump in and say some questions here and there. But, yeah, great. off you go. Oh,
1: awesome. Thanks, Joel and Laura, for uh, visiting uh, Ototahi Christchurch, and welcome to our beautiful city. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. koutou katoa. Ko pōki nā monga. Ko o te awa, ko o takau te marae, ko takitimu na waka, ko te ate awa, nai tahu te iwi, no o tahi aho, ko kala toko ingwa ko Geran toko fano whanau, nga mihi nui, kia So uh, kia ora everybody and um, welcome, welcome aboard my story, oh my goodness. I'm um, really excited to be able to share my journey with uh, whoever's listening this evening. Um, it's 5.27 here in Christchurch, actually, and it's quite busy outside, and people are going home from work and uh, biking <laughs> past, and the the city is humming.
2: Um,
1: but I've got the opportunity tonight to share what um, our amazing Father has done in my life, which is mm. such an honour and a glory, and um, I just want to start by giving him the praise. And, yeah, hopefully I can get through this with... Um, very little tears or no tears <laughs> at all. That would be a great a great goal for me this yeah. evening.
0: I'll just jump in real quick. For those that are listening overseas, um, what Carla just did, was that a karakia? Uh,
1: it was called, uh, called, it's my mihi, which is basically yeah. uh, my mountain. So ko Pokikuta kura na maunga, um, which is, maunga is mountain. And then uh, ko core te awa, which is my river, which is in Dunedin, mm. Otago. Yep. And Otago Marai, uh, which is where I whakapapa Papa back to, which is basically my family tree, if you like. Mm. Uh, and then I went to tell you about my Waka, uh, and then my tribe and my city is Tahi, which is the Maori word
0: for Christchurch. Mm. Oh, okay. Ora. Wonderful. Awesome. So that, yeah, that's all uh, the native tongue in New Zealand. So, yeah. Fantastic. Wondering what language that is. That's the Maori in New Zealand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um, So I just thought I'd share also, first of all, before I start, is um, my top five strengths. So I'm a big fan and a big believer in strength finders, which is, um, I guess it's one of those uh, personality traits or personality um, things that you can do online to find out a little bit about yourself. And um, my top five is, number one, is empathy. So I feel people's um, hardships or their... Their grief in their life, and I have a lot of empathy for people. Um, my number two strength would be belief, and so I'm a person that is strong in my belief, my belief system, and my values. And um, sometimes I get told that I'm like a dog with a bone and won't let go of it because I am, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very strong in belief. And um, my third strength is relator, so I love relating to people, and it's important to. Um, allow people to feel included in my company. Mm. Um, I manage a team in, in Christchurch here and it's really important that everybody feels equal, that nobody's uh, more or less than anyone else in the room, regardless mm. of their pay scale or their title that they have as well. Um, number four is developer. So I'm a, I am love to develop people. I love to bring out strengths in people and to help them find their strengths and to nurture them and bring them, bring them forward. Mm. So... That's a yeah. That's a real passion of mine is helping people if they're a little bit lost in who they are or what they're good at. Um, come and look, walk alongside me for a week, and we'll find out what it is. Yeah, <laughs> which I love that. And number five is actually strategic. So uh, strategic is, is um, helping people to, or myself as well included, um, to have a strategic pathway forward. Uh, look at look at how we do things and make it easy for people. Make it. Um, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it like logical? Yeah, logical, yeah. 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 And steps in place and making sure we're following a plan. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Laura. That's so good because I lost (laughs) my train of thought there. Sounds like
0: (laughs) God's built you as like a natural discipler. Yeah. Oh, oh wow, okay.
1: It. I've never heard that before, <laughs> but I'll take that one. Basically all the, the traits, eh? Yeah, right. Basically all the traits, yeah. It's great. Yeah. So I've just sort of recently learned about my strengths and um yeah, really love it. In the workplace it's really, really awesome to, to find out each other's strengths so that we can mm-hmm. lean on yeah. our strengths. So if yep. somebody's really strategic and um, you know, you're not, for example, let's let's lean on in mm. on those strengths and come on, yeah. To help each other out. Um and recently as well, I've been learning a little bit about my Enneagram, so for people who might be listening, Enneagram's another personality test, which is really, really interesting. Um, Enneagram?
0: Enneagram. How,
1: how do you never spell that? E N N. Yep. G R A M. Okay, Enneagram, never heard that before. Very cool, it's a really, really great one. And I'm a number eight, so we're one to nine are your numbers, and... Again, it's similar to the strength finders, but it helps you to unpack your personality type. So for me, I'm a number eight, which basically means um, uh, there are kind of the negative side to your number, but then we want to work with the Lord and unpack those negatives to turn them into mm. uh, positives, mm. so that we can really use our number mm. to again, work with people and communicate with people and, and so on. Yep. So number eights are very forceful. We're very uh, protective and um, we can be quite aggressive, but we want to make things happen mm. mm-hmm. and happen for, for good. And number eights are really like that one. They're the developer uh, helping people to nurture their, their strengths mm. and yeah. really unpack who they are, um, mm. and we make things happen. Yeah, So we're kind of like this big snow plough out the front <laughs> of everybody and pushing through that snow to then make way for everybody, to, not, to, not to come in behind us because we're not leading, but it's just making the way for things mm. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Strong, uh, personality. strong personalities. Strong personalities, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. and we have to remember that um, some people don't like a strong personality, so the flip side of that, of that is remembering my empathy Mm. To not be too forceful to scare people, mm-hmm. but to know that I mean business and you know we're going to make things happen for for good and yep. positive. Um, so yeah, it's quite it's quite a it, it's my my supervisor for work has actually told me that my five top strengths and my number eight it's tough it's a tough <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's we'll put that one aside now for though for, yeah. for now and uh, we're going to talk about my life story.
0: We'll have to do those strength yeah. tests and all that and figure out. Absolutely, sort of We, we are, Yeah, we <laughs> did a few years ago. Yes. We did this um, guy. Uh, he did a. Fl- it's called a flag page with okay. Mark Gungor. Ah, mm. mm. um, oh, yes. And yeah. he's got. It's hilarious what you find out about each other. So good, <laughs> so good.
1: Strength finders is really great for marriages as well. You can do strength mm. finders for marriages too. So yeah, there's plenty of strength strength finder coaches across mm. the world and New Zealand. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Cool. awesome. Cool, okay, so um, where I begin is with, I, I can't go back too far because I'm still on the journey of learning about my papa, my family tree, and um, so I'm actually going to start just with my grandfather, um, which I never actually met, my mum's dad, never met him before, but I know that he was quite a, a staunch man, probably, probably a number eight. <laughs> um, and he kind of uh, was quite strict in the home, and so as my mum was growing up, Uh, My mum's name is Diana, my dad's name is Wayne, and I'm also married to a Wayne, so we won't try not to get too confused there. (laughs) Uh, But um, yeah, so mum was raised uh, with quite a strict father, and when she became a teenager and it was kind of time to start dating, uh, her father was quite strict about who she would see and and not see. And My father, Wayne, uh, was actually working for my grandfather at the time and said, I like you. You can marry my daughter. So it was pretty much an arranged sort of marriage in a funny old way. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So they married. um, And um, my dad was a carpenter at the time. So he built our family home that I was raised in. And um, I didn't know, but... uh, obviously kind of an arranged marriage that it wasn't ever going to last. So um, during my younger years when my dad and mum were together, we had a great upbringing. We had tramping trips and camping trips and dad built a boat because, again, he was a carpenter. So he, he spent a lot of time in the garage and creating. And I remember as a young person just spending loads of time in the garage and he also restored um, older cars, so Buicks and really beautiful cars and he just loved working with his hands, and so I just remember being a young girl in the garage lots, passing him the tools and learning about the tools and, um, yeah, hanging out with Dad a lot. Um,
0: Probably where you get your, um, you know, authoritative side, yeah, really, yeah. from hanging out with your dad lots. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely he was um, a bit of a role model in my life that mm. I you, adored Dad. Um, mm. Yeah, so I loved that time in the garage and hanging out with him and... He was really good at gardening as well. So just sort of learning, you know, from a young age, just basic life skills, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Uh, I don't recall a lot of my mum. So mum, going back into those early years, um, I do remember lots of baking in the kitchen and yummy food and remembering when mum and dad used to go out for a meal, how beautiful mum used to always look. So she was always really, you know, the appearance was always important to her. Um, Her hair was always stunning, so she's a very, very beautiful lady. Um, But I do remember there was quite a lot of tension in the home. Um, Probably didn't bond that well with mum. And actually looking back on the years, uh, so my sister uh, Nina, she's three years older than I am. Uh, I think uh, mum really suffered from postnatal depression after she had my sister. And so when I was born, Mum, probably she wasn't in a good space to bond with me mm. um, as a baby. And so growing up, I don't remember a lot of love in the in the home. Um, there was, you know, never I love yous or a lot of kisses or hugs or warmth. Uh, I do remember going off to bed most nights and giving mum a kiss on the cheek. And that was sort of it. There wasn't a lot of love in the home. And so there was quite a lot of tension underneath Um didn't have a lot of friends around or no kind of not a lot of sleepovers and you know pajama parties there wasn't a lot of like now as a mum now as an adult that part of that life that I've given to my son has kind of was wasn't there so mm. I was like mm. looking back at that there was a, a few things missing so um, knowing that mum was well not knowing but now I know <laughs> that mum was suffering from postnatal depression uh, it turned out that mum was one of the first women in the Nelson area with postnatal depression that they did some tests on and they actually wrote a book around, they followed her life. Oh, wow. After having giving birth, they followed her life for a, a number of years and actually wrote a book about the, the stages of postnatal mm-hmm. depression.
0: Oh, so it's not like, it's, it's quite a long, drawn out yes, thing, is it? Yes, yes, it can
1: be. It can, oh, it can wow. be there for years. And so um, for years and years, in fact, you know, 30 years later on the, the year or the anniversary of the baby being born it Mm -hmm. can come back again and and yeah it can be quite quite terrifying for Mm. some people and quite unsettling wow so um yeah so during that time with mum having postnatal depression uh the bond between her and I I believe didn't didn't happen uh that well or and or hardly at all um
0: just that natural bond yeah mother to daughter yeah that's right mother to baby yeah yeah yeah
1: and um, like you don't know, I don't know because I wasn't a baby. And unfortunately, the the relationship with my mum we sort of haven't gone there. Yep. Um. But hearing the stories over the years about what it was like for her, I'm like, ah, okay. Mm. Now I understand. There's there mm-hmm. was something missing there. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I was very anxious as a young girl. I do re- I do recall clearly some real anxious moments in my life. Um not feeling safe. So I remember the hallway and running to the bed and then before I got into bed I'd used to jump in case there was something under the bed. Yeah. You know those kind of <laughs> Oh, I did that yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> those sort of natural sort of childhood <laughs> yeah. freaky things that you thought yeah. was under the bed. Um but I do remember having this image of a giant this is gonna sound really weird, so have an open mind when you hear it, but a really large giant golf ball. You know what an inside of a golf ball looks like and it's just like rubber bands. Uh So when you open up a golf ball, it's like rubber band over rubber band over rubber band, like hundreds of them. They're they're not rubber bands, but they're like a rubber band. Okay, And they just overlap many different directions. Um, So it was almost like this vision of this crazy uh, tight feeling in my brain Mm. from a young age. And when that image used to come, I just used to feel really overwhelmed and my breathing would go and... um, Yeah, just not not in a happy place when Mm. that golf, (laughs) I'm calling it a golf ball, but it wasn't. It was just that overwhelming sense of anxiety. Mm. But that's how I saw it. I saw it as a golf ball. Uh, And I do remember counting. So I used to count everything. I'd count on my fingers and I'd just put my fingers together and count. Or I'd count the marks on your T-shirt or the bricks on the fireplace or um, the spokes on a wheel. I'd just count everything and everything, anything and everything, because Mm. I think that was a way of blocking out mm. Mm. how I was actually feeling in my real life. Yep. So if I went into this counting um, phase, then I'd just focus on the counting. Mm. Uh, so I do remember a lot of anxiety and a lot of unsettling feelings as a as a young girl. And I'm still trying to unpack, even I'm 50 this year, still trying to unpack uh, why, why it was like that, you know, mm. um, and God's kind of, Slowly unpacking some stuff for me, which was really cool because he now he now knows that I'm ready to unpack it. Yeah, I wasn't ready twenty years ago or ten years ago, but I'm feeling ready now, which is cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot of anxiety. Um, so life was pretty good as a young one. I think we do. I do have a lot of great memories, uh, and then it was like a bit of a slap in the face, um, hearing from Dad that he was leaving, and I I recall that I. I'm not 100% sure, but I think I was around 10 or 11 years old uh, when he called me into the lounge and in our house and sat me on his knee and he just said, you know, I, I, I love you girls, um, but I'm I'm falling out of love with mum and I have to go. Um, so it was like that moment there was just like, what? Mm. I haven't seen this coming. Mm. I didn't have any idea that you were going anywhere Um What's happening here? There was a lot of tears from Dad, and obviously when Dad's cry, we cry, because mm. mm. uh, he was my rock. He was my hero. Um, mm. yeah. you know, all those hours in the garage and things like that—it was like, okay, this is not happening, but yes, it actually is. So it was a real shock. Um, but yeah, we were we were raised. Mum was a hairdresser, so she had a salon. She owned a salon. Dad was a car salesman in Nelson. So Make sense
0: with the, the good hair all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, and that's the nice right. Cars. Nice cars. Yeah, <laughs> he had a real
1: passion for cars. <laughs> yeah, so
0: they really reflected their uh, profession. Yes, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And so, yeah, just really great memories. You know, we had a playhouse. Dad, again, being a carpenter, built this amazing playhouse in the back, um, up the back tree, and we had a pool. And always kind of got what we asked from center. You know, mm. <laughs> the yeah. skates would be there, and the new wow. bikes, and so. I would say back then, um, a middle class family, good incomes, yep. you know. So we didn't we didn't ask for anything else, but what we had and we were, very, I would say, a privileged family growing up. Because mm. uh, boy, life has changed. I, I heard from mum just recently that when they bought their house, the one, sorry, when they they bought the first house, it was like two hundred and not even two hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and now it's you know over a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. That same home, and it's like, man, how things have changed. Yeah. Really, really crazy. So yeah, Dad um, told me that and uh, I'll bring my sister into it here. So Nina, uh, she's three years older than I am and... We have found out recently that she's also at Enneagram number eight, so a very, very strong personality, very similar to, to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And growing up, it now makes sense how we clash so bad. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Two very stubborn, strong, willed people that uh, wouldn't back down for the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had a bit of a clash as young ones. Um I can laugh at it now, but she used to lock me in that beautiful little playhouse that Dad built and, and I used to freak out from the spiders and the spider webs. and then I remember chasing her through the house with a coat hanger trying to hook out her eyes and <laughs> <laughs> just crazy, crazy children things as we did. Um, but after Dad left, things started to go a little bit downhill from there. I don't recall a lot of my life. After Dad left, I think I went into a bit of a, um, a trauma period mm-hmm. of... Uh, that my world was pretty okay and then all of a sudden it wasn't. What's yeah. happening here? And the same for my sister Nina. And I was really into sports, so I played basketball and I was very, very sporty uh, um, through my sort of, you know, intermediate young young high school years. And my sister Nina was very musical, played the piano and sung, um, played the piano beautifully. Uh, so I think it hit us both quite differently when Dad left mm. Um Nina unfortunately uh, started smoking weed and uh, started to watch horror movies and kind of d- dabble in in I would say uh, not of God things, seances so mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah. the spiritual life that um, that we know now to be completely different. Uh, so mm. so she yes, yeah, she pretty much went off the rails for a while mentally, and that was really really tough and. During this sort of three- to four-year period, I don't recall a lot because I, I think I just blocked it out because I was so stressed. Mm. Um, so even looking back at it now, I don't recall anything. There are a couple of pivotal moments, though, where I recall um, visiting my sister, Nina. So she, she really suffered uh, with her mental health. Uh, she got into um, uh, unhealthy relationships with with guys And through those unhealthy relationships just went further and further down. So ended up in um, a a hospital in Nelson for mental health patients. And at the time was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, And then from there they diagnosed her with bipolar. uh, But the whole time highly medicated. And during that period tried to take her life um, while she was in hospital. And it was for me a, a real hard time because I was... Still really really young. I was probably only thirteen or fourteen at this stage, and had oh. no idea what was well, you know, what's going mm-hmm. on. Where is Nina? And not remembering anything. And during that period, I was questioning where she was, and so she was obviously we we just had nothing to do with each other. Yeah. So she was about sixteen. Yeah, about fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, 15, yeah 15, 16, very wow. young, very very young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, mum. And Dad decided to take me to visit her in the hospital, which I still this day don't really understand. Um, there was obviously a lot going on around that period for, for Nina and probably trying to work out what do we do with Carla, You know, what's the best thing to do. Carla's over here playing sports, she's OK, she's got her uh, good friends and she's pretty stable, let's just kind of leave her for a while and just focus on Nina. I'm not sure. Um, but I do recall going to the hospital and visiting Nina and all I remember was... You know, she was very highly medicated and had actually tried to hang herself in a wardrobe. Mm. Um, that freaked me out. And mm. so, you know, seeing her neck was swollen and things like that. But what came out of this is um, while she was in hospital, there was a Christian lady working in the hospital and uh, really saw something in Nina and decided that she would pretty much steal Nina out of the hospital and take her to church, <laughs> uh, which is kind of – was. I think against the law to do this, but this lady obviously had heard from the Lord and and decided to follow what she, you know, what she felt. So
0: took Nina out of
1: out of the hospital, out of the mental hospital, and
0: broke her out. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yes, took her to to church. church, Yeah, (laughs) and it was
1: amazing because um, God turned up like he does and uh, healed Nina. So Nina went forward, gave her life to the Lord, and overnight she was healed of. The smoking, the drugs. Wow. The, so it got quite bad. It got quite bad to the point where Nina would look in a mirror and her eyes, she would be seeing things in her eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the Lord had other plans for her, so he healed her of everything. And I don't know how long after that visit to church, but um, she was released from hospital. Wow. Which was pretty amazing. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So and it was really, old, really cool.
0: How old do you remember her being released how old was oh, she?
1: seriously, I cannot. I cannot remember. Okay. I don't even know because I don't even remember her really being in there yeah. and then being released. Because um, by this stage, like I said, there was quite a long time in my life that I don't remember. Um, but during this this phase phase while Nina was in hospital um, and Dad leaving that that time as well, Mum kind of went into a bit of a depression state. So while all this is happening, Dad's kind of left and the time time frame of it's probably all whack, but um, Mum went into a depression state and I just remember Mum crying all the time and, um, yeah, not not sure really what happened there, but Mum met another man, um, and who's still my stepfather today, and uh, they fell in love pretty quickly and decided to get married, which was tough for me because... Mum being married and bringing this new man into my into our life mm. and into my dad's house that he had built was mm. really really tough because I had my my walls up to say this mm. is my father's house this is our house you know yeah. as step family can be really tough sometimes
2: yeah
1: um so yeah so I I don't recall but Nina's obviously healed and she's mm. walking with the Lord which is great um so
0: prior to your sister Nina going to church with this person. Yeah. And getting radically healed. You and your family had never really Nothing. gone to church. You had, you had no connection towards Jesus or, or anything all. that No. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: Nothing at all, but it all starts from there, which gets really yeah. exciting. <laughs> so I really had no idea who who God was, really. Yep. Uh, and I'd heard that yeah, that Nina was good. I didn't hear why or how, or that the Lord had healed her, or that just mm. that she's better. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, we'll just carry on with life. Um. So yeah. So during that time, Mum had met uh, my stepfather, and uh, they got married. And and I do rem- I do remember the wedding. It was good, and I felt okay. Uh, but he he was a challenge. He was a it was a tough time for me. So um. He came into the home, and I, I wasn't happy with that. And me being me and quite stubborn, I just stood my ground a few few times. And um, unfortunately, it wasn't healthy. Uh, I was called a few names, and it got a little bit of uh, 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 I suppose just really unhealthy being there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was fifteen at the time, and I wanted out. Mm. So uh, I asked. I told my mum, I said, I'm going. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going. I can't be here any longer. But I do recall the feeling of I'm okay with going. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm okay with going because I know you need someone to support you. Mm -hmm. I'm still young. I've got lots of life to live. I don't want you growing old on your own. Mm -hmm. So stay here. You keep the house and do your thing or whatever with Mm -hmm. my stepfather, but I need to go. So at 15, I left home. I do remember going out the driveway on my bike and I went at that time to my boyfriend's mum's house and her name was um, Marie and she took me in under her wing which was amazing and so yeah yeah, just I guess from 15 onwards I just started living as an adult and Mm. made my own decisions I biked everywhere I had a little moped motorbike for a while (laughs) and things like that which was cool yeah um, I was still at, at uh, high school, so I went to a college in Nelson called Nayland College and finished Nailin College, and, um, college and I, I did well at school. I was an average student, but um, I was chosen as head girl in my final year at college and thought that was pretty cool. I mm. wasn't chosen because of academics. I was chosen because I was well-liked by people. Mm-hmm. Um, so high school was a, a nice time for me. It was really great. did productions and yeah, just a typical student going through school. Really love yeah. sport. Did all the sport. I got awards for you know sportswoman of the year and whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was a nice time.
0: I think the strongest skill that anybody can accomplish going through high school is not academics. It's mm. people skills. That's it's right. been able to communicate. It's been able to to like you said, be well liked. And because if you you know you can actually move the world. If you have good manners, yeah, it's absolutely. very, very underrated. Yeah, so, mm, <laughs> anybody yeah. listening to this, and <laughs> you need you need to get that promotion. Just get well liked, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's really, really powerful to be the person that people want to be around.
1: Yeah, that's um, so true.
0: And the Bible actually talks about this uh, when uh, the Pharisees asked Jesus, you know, what what is the most important mm. commandment? Mm. He says, well, everything, everything stands on these two. Love God with all your heart and love people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so cool. So love people and love God and you're yeah. good. Yeah. So you got the loving people very part. Very true, very, yep. very true.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, um, after college I decided that I needed to get away from New Zealand, so I applied for a, a summer camp over in the States. So um, oh, yeah. I was then eight and a half, 19, and I went to Philadelphia, So I just took my backpack and myself and traveled all across. (laughs) I look back at it now and think, what the heck did I do (laughs) on a plane for all those hours heading to Philadelphia? And um, again, still not knowing the Lord, Mm. uh, nothing about him. Mm -hmm. So the whole time while I was in the States, obviously things are happening back here in Nelson with mum and Nina and life is carrying on. Uh, so I was on the summer camp. Um, I was a sports counselor and saw about three hundred and fifty children a day, which was awesome. And yes, they just kind of wow. rotated around. and wow, all sports, football, you yep. know, netball, golf, you name it, we did it, which was awesome. <laughs> right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. A lot it's of really fun. Cool. Yeah. And then came home. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time that I moved in with, and and you know, life was just ticking along. And during this period, uh, so my sister was going to church, a church in Nelson. And during this period, Mum was still really, really struggling, and so Nina reached out to Mum and said, why don't you come to church with me? Hmm. And Mum was like, okay, yep, we can give this a whirl, we'll see what it's all about. And so Mum ended up going to church with my sister, and then she gave her life to the Lord. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And um, so here's Nina and Mum, and I'm not. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of a weird time to know, you know, things were happening for them, but I was still sort of ticking along in the background, just kind of doing life and mm. living with my boyfriend and just, you know.
0: Did you see a, an immediate change or a difference or something in your sister or in your mum with them now becoming Christians? Yeah, definitely. What was different?
1: I think, so n- there was a huge difference with Nina, obviously with what she'd just been through. Mm. Uh, yeah. and. Um, I not so much with mum, but I, I think because I wasn't living under the roof, mm-hmm. yeah. it was really hard to yeah. to know. And there was so much. There's so much, uh, probably deep hurts that was still being worked on yeah. during that period. Um, and so I, I would say that I wasn't close to mum or Nina, mm-hmm. so it was really hard to see the real big change. But yeah. I, I definitely know that there was a change. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I just didn't know what it was.
0: Yeah, or yeah. what it meant. Or you, yeah. could, you could sense it. Yeah but you weren't yeah. involved in That's, their yeah. lives enough yeah. to and Yeah, and who's God, who's
1: God? Like right now, who's God in yeah. my life? It was like they would talk about him sometimes and I'd just hear and, and I'd just kind of brush it off. Mm. You know, I wasn't ready, and God knew that I wasn't ready yeah. as well, which is really cool looking back at it because he knows when it's the right time. Oh, you he's know? full of he's patience as well. So, like, so gracious.
0: we got to know that, you know. He he actually knows what he's doing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> all <the> <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, funny enough, isn't that Great though. <laughs> yeah. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, yeah. So mum gave her life to the Lord, and Nina and, and mum are going to church and and doing their thing. And um,
0: what about your stepdad?
1: Uh, no, so he wasn't either at that time. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting. God was always sort of working in the in the scenes with him as well behind, you know, behind yeah. backstage for a mm. while. Um but yeah, I would say today that he is mm. um and is a believer and a follower. Uh they don't really attend a church as such, but Jesus is part of the conversation constantly. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah. That's school. awesome. Yeah. So yeah, really, really cool. Um, so where are we up to? Um so Nina had a uh, a child with one of her boyfriends, my beautiful niece, um Dominique. And uh part Māori girl as well, which is awesome, and then went on to meet another guy, um, David, and David and Nina uh, and Nelson. They were part of a church in Nelson which um, it was a a challenging time for them. It was a church that challenged them in in the church. They were leaders in the church, um, but after a number of years decided it wasn't feeling right, and God kind of needed to remove them from that. Yeah. Um so right now in their life they're actually running a beautiful art gallery in Nelson called Artelia. And um David is an art teacher, so he works in the Polytech as well. And they opened Artelia with the the thought and the the pressing from the Lord to open it to Christian artists where they can come and show their artwork and share their stories. Oh, cool. And they also use the art gallery for kind of like a mini church on a Sunday evening with people (laughs) and gather friends together, and they'll do uh, worship nights as well. Uh, And so, yeah, Nina's life has been completely transformed. So she's also part of um, the prophetic New Zealand. um, So I'm not sure what they call it, but there's a group of prophets around New Zealand who are very, very well-known. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I
0: couldn't wouldn't be able to place my finger on it that. either yes. there's quite a lot of these uh groups around yeah that we've run into obviously yeah cool. traveling around and yeah yeah god's moving yeah mm. it's amazing it's awesome. yeah. yeah
1: so she's she's pretty well known in, in Christchurch and Nelson um to come and, and and share what the lord's sort of putting on her heart and things which is awesome so um I'll just gather my thoughts here for a moment. But, yeah, so after the, the, uh, the, the, I guess, the breakthrough over her life, God's been really amazing with her and Dave. So um, David's a few years young, younger than Nina, and they were in the church together in Nelson for a long time, leading and running groups and, and worship leading, and Dave was a drummer, Joel as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so a lot was happening for them in, in, their, in their life as a church life, uh, and that was pretty much straight after their marriage, and so now they they're not in church. They they're forced with having to face their marriage and learn about each other. Because sometimes when you're a part of a church, and that's all that you're you know you're, that you're doing, you're leading, and you're um, you know you're following what God's called you to do. When that disappears, mm. you're left with just you two. <laughs> and yeah. so they're at that stage in their life now that they're, they're actually learning about each other, which is awesome. That's mm. good. And it's almost like restarting their marriage over again yeah. with yeah. God as a foundation. Yeah. But um, not completely being sucked dry by yeah. every minute in the church, you mm. know, uh, and they can actually – Go and enjoy a weekend away and, yep. and find out what makes them tick. Find out what their number yep. number in Enneagram mm-hmm. and Enneagram yeah. is and their top five strengths and, and learn good. from each other about that. So that's really cool that that's happening.
0: It's one of those things that um, is probably we've heard a lot, haven't we, Laura, about people uh, give everything to a church. and And don't hear me wrong if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's – it's good to serve in church, mm. um, but have it have it been spirit led? So yeah. know that the yeah. Lord's asked you to do that, and then when you're knowing that you're obeying the Lord and what you're doing, not just the pastor, mm. it's a total different ball game. Yeah, um, and you're, your, your strength, strength changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you start to feel the weight if you're doing it yeah. yourself, and yeah. you can only hold that weight for so long. But man, when when God's mm behind it he, he makes it strong he makes it yeah. easy
1: mm. yeah there shouldn't be a burden behind it eh no, well it Jesus just says be, my burden's it, light yeah it yeah. should so, give you life and and, yep. um, and give you um, the passion and, yep. and the excitement to want yeah. to do it yeah. for his glory not oh here we go again yeah yeah, that's
0: true yeah that's so cool so good
1: yeah so they're, they're doing well they're on a journey to find out about each other which is just awesome and um so mum's in Nelson, doing life well, um, and my stepfather's there, he's, he's good looking after her, which is great, which I always had, that that was the plan, you know, leaving mm-hmm. home as early as I did, the plan was that mum would be looked after, and, and she, she is, which is awesome. Wow. So yeah, from 15 to sort of the 19, I went to America, came back from America, uh, stayed in Nelson for a while, and then I... Uh, Did a little bit of work with some disabled people, worked with people in wheelchairs and and spina bifida and Mm. journeyed with people who needed a hand at home to shower and get their meals and things like that, finished school. And then I decided that I've got to leave Nelson. I've got to get out of here. Uh, And so I always knew from an early age that I loved children. I always loved Mm. being around little ones. And so even I remember being seven years old and my neighbour was maybe four, I was just drawn to, you know, helping and supporting her as a four-year-old while I'm seven. Mm. Um, And I just love to play and create awesome things. and, And so I always knew that I was drawn to children. So I decided to come to Christchurch and complete my teacher's training college. But didn't get in the first time, didn't get in the second time, got in the third time. And every year that I tried to get in, it was a real challenge. It was like, what's stopping me coming here? And um, still no God in my life. Yep. But it was like, oh man, I'm going to beat this. It's <laughs> <laughs> so number eight. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. I'm going to beat this, and I'm going to get in, and I'm going to complete my training. And so every year they had, oh, you haven't you haven't got enough experience with children yet. Go away and do some work with kids and whatever. And the next year it was like, oh, this year our intake has to be from this age to this age and you're just outside that. And oh. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so wow. here we go again. And on the third time I got in and, um, yeah, I, I, I got in, <laughs> which I was very pleased about yeah. for the third time round. So I completed my teacher's training and then uh, during the teacher's training time I was um, working – I was training in the gym, at the university gym, and I loved being in the gym, loved uh, working out, doing weights and aerobics, and oh, back then it was aerobic, we call it pump now, all these <laughs> different sort of exercises. Um, I have to remember I'm 50, and so it's got oh, 50 this year, and it's like, what was it called back then? Yeah. <laughs> so I loved the gym, and um, I was actually just training in the university, and a, a, a young man came over to me, and he said, you look like you know what you're doing, we need a gym instructor at the QE2 gym, which QE2 is a big complex here in Christchurch and it has a swimming pool and a big gym. So we need a gym instructor, would you like a job? And I'm like, ah, mm, yeah, okay, I can have a part-time job while I'm studying and doing teachers training college. So I went to become a gym instructor and uh, would write programs for people for the gym. And my first client was a nice-looking young Māori fella And I thought, oh, you're quite nice. I fell head (laughs) over heels very quickly in love. Still no God in my life. And um, moved in with him very, very quickly. And it was there that um, life started to change very, very quickly. So um, I'm just going to kind of focus on me for a while. And then I'll come back to my family later. Just remind me because I won't (laughs) fully forget. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, he was hot and good looking. And I thought I could date you or hang out with you for a while. And at that time, one of my really, really good friends, uh, her her sister was getting married, and so I was invited to the wedding. And I was new in Christchurch because i just started teacher's training, and I had no friends to invite to the wedding to come along as my partner. Mm-hmm. So I asked this guy who was one of the clients in the gym, would you like to come to a wedding? I know we don't know each other, but I need a partner. Would you like to come as my friend and hang out? And um, yeah, 14 years later... <laughs> After that night at the wedding, we were still sort of going strong. Um, I was to find out very quickly, though, with this young man, um, and I'm okay with names, his name was Graham, that uh, he was raised in Black Power gang here in Christchurch, and that he had at the time a sister who was in jail, um, a brother who had killed himself in jail, and um, so our, our weekend trips to the jail was a common thing for us. And the weekend we'd go out and and visit his sister. Mm -hmm. And so um, I thought at the time when he told me that he was raised in Black Power, I thought it was a joke because me coming Mm. from sort of a middle-class family – yeah. And I thought, oh, this is re- oh, really <laughs> black power, joke, joke. But it was actually true. And so I was like, okay. I remember at that split second going, is this going to be okay or is it not going to be okay? Yeah. And at that split moment, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can go along with this. Because again, I fell, you know, head over heels pretty quickly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So without going into too much detail, uh, I was with Graham for 14 years. And it was after the first, probably about, Six months that things started to turn um, for the worst so I recall the first time that um, he laid a hand on me was we went to the movies and unfortunately the movie wasn't running that night for some reason so it was a cool evening like it is this evening and I had a sweatshirt around my waist uh, tied around my waist and I took it off to put it on because I was a little bit a little bit chilly and he He got a little bit cross for me taking off my sweatshirt around my waist because it was showing my bottom then, and he thought that I was doing it to show off my butt or my behind um, to just be smart, which wasn't the case at all. Mm. Mm. And so um, got into the car, and we were living together at this stage, and we started heading home. And on the ride home, uh, the, the verbal abuse started, and it got louder and louder and louder. And again, me being a stubborn number eight thought, no, stuff this. I'm a strong young woman. I'm not taking this. Yeah. Went to get out of the car at a red light. Uh, took that opportunity just to jump out and I was going to walk away. Um, but unfortunately, he came around and grabbed me by the hair and threw me back in the car and closed the door and you're not going anywhere. So the people behind us in the car noticed what was happening. They saw me getting throw- thrown in the car. So they decided to follow us home to the flat that we were living in at the time, had called the police on the way to say what they'd witnessed. And, um, uh, yeah, the guys followed us home just to make sure I was okay, uh, Mm. but called the police. So about 20 minutes later, the police turned up and just spoke to us and said, is everything okay? And, again, it was that moment in my life where... Inwardly, I'm going, no, I'm not okay. I want to come with you. Mm. You know, I need to come now mm. to get out of the situation. But outwardly, I'm a number eight going, yeah, what's wrong? Like, yeah. mm. go and look after somebody else who really needs to be looked after.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I stayed. And I stayed for 14 years. And uh, the abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse um, was horrific. And, yeah, it was ongoing for 14 years. So unfortunately, Graham had a really bad gambling addiction, which added to the problems. So I think looking back at it now, um, without God in my life still, he's coming but he's not there yet, uh, was trying to unpack why I stayed, why I put up with what Mm. I put up with for 14 years. And I think because when Dad left, it was, this is all you're worth. Um, Mm. What have you got to give, Uh, you know? you you don't know anything you left home young uh, what can you give back to society all those negative thoughts would would come and play havoc on my mind and so i stayed and put up with it um yeah the gambling was really really bad so what what happened was after um i finished teachers training college i got a job at one of a local school here in christchurch worked full-time and then Graham and I decided that we needed to get out of Christchurch. So I went from Nelson to Christchurch, and now we're on our way to London. So, oh, wow. Yeah, a big jump. Big yeah, big jump. So I opened up the newspaper one night, and there's an ad here saying, teachers needed in London this much money. And Graham saw it and went, whoa, okay, we're off to London. Yeah. Look oh, at wow. all this money. And um, unfortunately, with gambling, for those of you who understand gambling, it's an addiction that is just horrific. It's... Like any addiction, um, it's it's hard, very, very hard for people mm. to come off it. Um, so he was actually a baker and, and was working in a bakery, and the owner was also a gambler who then taught Graham how to gamble. Oh, yeah. And when you're raised in, in a home that's poor and... Um, you know, stealing for food at times, and money's tight. Then, when you gamble and you have a win, it's like, "Wow, cool! This is mm. great! Yeah. Mm. I can win five hundred dollars in one little bet." Yeah. Let's keep this going, mm. uh, and then it just gets sucked in. And yeah. um, some people have that that addictive personality type, which is really, really hard to break.
0: Mm. Did you ever get the chance to to talk to Graham about it and say, "Oh, yeah," like, yeah, somebody listening, yeah, you know. What would be since since you've done it, you've yeah. you've spoken to somebody you know a partner with with a gambling yeah. issue. What would be a healthy way to bring it up?
1: Yeah, it's a really hard one because often with the gambling comes anger because they know in their heart of hearts that it's wrong.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Um, but they just feel like they've failed. So when you go to raise it, it's a real tough one because they get the walls mm. up. Yeah. So I, th- I think you've really got to have that support network around you. Yeah. Um. To yeah, to ask for help mm. with the professionals who know what they're doing, because mm. it is a real it's a real. Challenge. It's like any addiction when you go to to somebody who's broken and mm. he was broken at the time is is when you talk about that to raise it it's it's um it brings up a lot of stuff and a mm. lot of hurt and a lot of anger. And anger is a secondary emotion. And so what's left underneath anger often is rejection or shame or mm. I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough. Yeah, yeah. And you do, you, the last thing they want is for you to remind them of that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, really, really careful around that. Call in the professionals. Mm. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and is that sort of the road that you took? With Graham,
1: so no, I. What happened was when we moved to London, um, I was teaching over in London, and I was earning a lot of money. And so what happened was it got it went from bad to worse, basically. Mm. So leaving Christchurch, um, Graham was also a top league player, rugby league player here in Christchurch and New Zealand. He played for New Zealand Maori, which was amazing, and kind of league scene with the, with the lads and the drinking scene it mm. just kind of added to everything Yeah. so we decided that if we got out of here yeah, and moved to somewhere that we didn't know anyone it might be better mm. yeah. but basically you're running from you know yeah. you're, you're running and it's just
0: following you wherever you go Yeah. so to find money uh, it just yeah. magnifies the, the people that you are That's so right. if you're a gambler yeah, with a little bit of money you'll just be a gambler with a lot of money That's you know, right. if you've got a drinking problem yeah You'll you'll have a bigger drinking problem. Um, it just amplifies whatever whatever you currently spend money on. It's just going to be yeah. more of that. Yeah. People always think that if I just have more money, I'll have no problems. It's it's sometimes you know unless honestly unless God's at the center guiding yeah. that tool of mm. money because money itself is not evil. Mm. Um. The Bible says what the the, the love, love of money, of money mean, yeah. is the root of yeah. all evil. Um. So yeah, it's it's just one of those things where, you know, um if you don't have God but with mm. with money, just keep it spirit led. Mm. Um if you're listening to this podcast, you know. Um and if you got an, an issue with gambling or anything, what do they say? More money, more problems. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, it was a tough time over in London. We had four years in London, and um, during that time, the gambling got worse. So we, I was teaching in Hackney, which is East London, which is like the Bronx of London. Mm. And when I went for the interview, they, they actually chose where they'd put me. And because of my strengths and things, they threw me in East London. <laughs> Toughest school there. And um, I met some amazing people during that time friends from all over the world, lots of Kiwi teachers, lots of Australians, Mm. South Africans. Uh, We became a really tight-knit family during that time because it was such a tough school. Mm. I think in the four years that I was, well, three years that I was in Hackney, I probably had um, one white Pakeha face. Okay. And the rest were Nigerian, uh, Jamaican, African, beautiful, beautiful children with such gifts and talents like you wouldn't Mm. believe the music and the, Just, oh, just gorgeous. I love them to bits. And so, yeah, that was a real special time in Hackney, even though the gambling was on the side. So I would have a great day at school with the children and then go home to strife and Mm. uh, gambling. We lived in a pub in in Hackney. Uh, Again, met some amazing, beautiful people. Our locals would come in every night for the whiskey and, you know, just the normal, your weekly drink. And we would have karaoke and I love singing. And so I'd always sing to to everybody in the pub and every opportunity I could get, I'd grab that microphone. Um, But it was a tough time. It was a really, really tough time. And uh, with the gambling, unfortunately, uh, Graham would steal the money from the pub that we, we would earn and then go and gamble. And so it just kind of escalated and went from bad to worse. And um, so we actually had to get out of the pub scene because the money was too easy.
2: Mm. Mm. Uh,
1: And so he got a job working with a a tetraplegic young fella who had actually become to end up in a wheelchair from a motorbike accident. And from that motorbike accident, he was uh, um, paid out a lot of money because it wasn't his fault. Mm. Obviously, the, the court's you know, you've changed my life forever. Um, yeah. I can't walk any longer. So here's a wad of money to to yeah. live. And uh, unfortunately, the money was too easy there as well. And so um, Graham stole from him. Mm. So uh, just to cut a real long story really short, we left uh, London owing a little bit of money. And I've had to spend a lot of time with the Lord to, to be released of that mm. because coming home, Still not knowing God, it was a real heavy thing over my life to know that we we actually owed money leaving a country Mm -hmm. because it was really against my values. Uh, But it was, at that time, out of our hands. Mm. It was really, really tough to know what to do. So I had three years in Hackney teaching and then I uh, went to Eton Square School, which is the Royals, where the Royals went through school. So I had a year in in the private school, Eton, which was amazing so um one extreme to the other where my children had bodyguards and nannies and chauffeurs and
0: uh,
1: hardly ever saw the parents because they were always picked up from nannies and and bodyguards um we actually had uh, the the uh, jordan prince his daughter was in our school and so she had the big black five cars you know that was protecting her full of bodyguards and it was amazing absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing so it was a real eye-opener working in the school like that. And I actually fell pregnant during that period in Eton. And so when we came home, I was seven months pregnant and decided that I needed to be on kiwi soil again to have my baby at the time. Didn't want to be in London because I was with the gambling and no money and it was mm. too hard. Mm. Uh, I just wanted to be on, on Kiwi kiwi soil. And so we mm. left London... Uh, owing money to the banks and um, we had to own up to the guy that who was in the wheelchair and tell him what had happened and basically ask for forgiveness from that. Um, it was a real tough, horrible time.
2: Mm.
1: But came home and with no money, I think we came home with about 50 quid in, in, in our pocket and the The amount of money that I would have earned in four years over in London was enough to come home and probably buy a five hundred thousand dollar mm. home, mortgage free. Yeah, wow. Uh, so it was a lot of money that I earned in that four year period, but over the years I've had to release that mm. to the Lord as well and yeah. just go, okay, it's money. Let's just let that go. That
0: is really tough. Yeah. Very tough. Yeah. Wow, yep. having to almost forgive. Yeah. Um, what was his name? Graham. Uh, Graham. Graham. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And. Yeah, as as Graham in New Zealand as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's in Christchurch. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, which is which is good because that's when my son comes into it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I come home and I gave birth to a beautiful boy, a ten pound sorry nine pound eight son, and he was a big baby. So his name is Finn. He's mm. now eighteen years old and he's awesome. So after giving birth to Finn, I realised that. Um, you, you can hurt me, but you're not going to hurt this little little mm. thing that I've been given to look after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, wee, this wee baby that I had no idea how to look after, but I just knew that it, it was my job now to to protect and raise mm. raise this wee man who um, I absolutely adore. So I gave birth to him and ten months later I had to change my life. So it was tough, it was really, really hard and um, I'm just going to step back a little bit though because yep. uh, when when I'm living in, in Christchurch, the odd time I would go home to Nelson and see mum and Nina mm-hmm. very, very occasionally and I remember one trip going to Nelson and I was invited to go to their church, well my sister's church at the time and I would just get so anxious about going to church mm. not knowing why I'm so anxious and my heart would pound and I even, like, I remember crying in the back of the car on the way to church because I just knew that God is, like, I just knew he was real, but I didn't I didn't want to face that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I was just, like, in the car, and I would just be so wound up about going to church. So anyway, I would go to church, and I'd sit there and and couldn't sing the songs because I didn't know them. Um, but I remember the pastor at the time would come up to me and he'd say, Carla, do you know why you always cry? You're always crying, like when you come to visit us, you know, once every two or three years, you're, you're always crying. And I'm like, no, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, because it's the Holy Spirit, he just wants you to know how much he loves you and just, yeah, he just adores you and thinks you're incredible. And, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Still no God in my life, not doing anything about it. I'm stubborn. He's not getting me. So I come back to Christchurch and just carry on living and um, raising my son. And... Uh, when I left Graham Finn was ten months old, and I had uh, twenty seven thousand dollars in bank, uh, and I had that much debt over my head oh, yeah. mm. from the gambling. So when mm. we came back from London, we got a car on HP, we got some furniture on HP because we had nothing.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'm pregnant. I needed some mm. furniture and things mm. like that. So we went out and. Um, it was all under my name because of Graham's past history. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get credit ratings, so mm. it was all under my name. And so when I left Graham, I thought that he was paying the bills for some of the HPs that we had, but unfortunately he wasn't. And so one day I was in my flat, and this is a bit of a funny old thing for ladies out there who dye their hair. Um, I had a dye in my hair and it was wrapped up in glad wrap yeah. <laughs> to keep it all hot under there. Because that's what you do when you die, here. And um, I had got a visit from the Bay, sort of BayCorp repossessor people, saying, "Are you caller?" And I said, "Yes, I am." We've come to take all your furniture, and because um, nothing's being paid, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And at that moment, I thought, "Great, take it. I don't want it." It's like it's it's because I, I I knew at the time I was never going to be able to pay for it. I had a new baby son, and I wasn't working. I was on the benefit, and it was tough going. So in me, it was like a relief that they're coming to take it. Mm. And I had nothing, nothing in the, nothing in the house. I just had Finn's clothes, my clothes, and I think we had his cot. Um, even my bed was taken. Like everything was taken.
2: Wow.
1: And it was just, it was just so refreshing <laughs> in a crazy wow. old way. It was actually really refreshing to know. Great, take it. I'm going to start my life again. So it was at that time, around that time, that one of my friends uh, who I went through teachers college with, Anne-Marie, a really good friend of mine, who was a, who was raised in a Christian home, um, she just knew that I needed some help. So she came around and she said, you know what, would you be keen to come to a church with me? And I'm like, yes, yes, okay, we can do this. Let's go <laughs> to a church. I just knew that I needed support. Yeah. My sister and mum never knew what I was going through with Graham, so I'd never told anybody, and so it was just my little secret, the gambling, Mm. the abuse, the verbal abuse, the psychological abuse that came with with all of that. Mm. Uh, And there were some horrific stories, just to name a couple, you know, driving through red lights that God just protected me from, looking back, didn't ever get hit by a car, Uh, black eyes, bruises all over my body, um... Smash windows, you know, just it was constant, it was full on. Wow. And I could actually tell from the way that he would open the door whether it was going to be a night that I was going to get it or not. Uh, and I was just prepare myself mentally for, a, you know, a beating mm. or just something to go wrong. Wow. Make a meal, it was not good enough, not hot enough, be thrown at the wall, thrown at me, spat on, my hair pulled. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a tough time. Those 14 years of, of living like that it was really, really tough. Um, so my friend said, "Should we go? I, I, I'm ready to go back to church." She said, "Would you like to come with me?" And I said, "Yeah, I think I really would. I need to have some support around me. A ten-month-old baby uh, on the benefit, not knowing, you know, up or down, what to do. But when I when I knew that I was going to leave Graham, I needed to find obviously accommodation. And this is this is such God's humor, right? Looking back at it, I've I went to a whole lot of flats and they were cold and miserable and then I found one at 9 o'clock at night um, in in Christchurch here and I told the lady my story a little bit and I said, look, I'm in a really bad situation. I need to get out of where I am. I've got a 10-month, my my baby. Uh, Will will you help? And she handed me over the keys with no money at 9 o'clock at night and it was that night that I just slept on the floor with Finn in the dark and the house number was 111. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's my emergency house, and whenever I drive past it, I'm like, "Yeah, my emergency house. It's <laughs> wow. awesome." And so <clears throat> it was that night there on the floor that I gave my life to the Lord, and I don't even know what I said. I don't even remember if it was right or whether what I was saying was gonna, you know, be okay by Him. Um But because I had Mama Nina. Excuse me, Mama Nina, going to church. I just felt it was okay to do this, mm. and the crying came back. So I'm like, okay, I cried to go to church. I'm crying now, so this must be okay. So, <laughs> so I just, I think I said something like, you know, if you're real, I really need you, mm. and my life is yours. Something as simple as that. And so we slept. Finn and I slept on the floor that night, and it was just crying all night. And the next, you know, the next little while, I went to church with my friend and. We went to a couple of churches around Christchurch. And because I'm a singer, I love singing. Went to one church and they were flat. And I'm like, no, I can't go there. <laughs> I, I can't stand this music. She's flat, he's flat. It's going to drive me bummy. Went to another church. And I knew that I just needed somewhere that people were going to take care of me for a while. Mm. Um, went to another church and no one spoke to me. So I just I was like, no, this is not right. Went to the third church. I walked in. And someone came up and took Finn out of my arms Held him up in the air and said, oh, you're so beautiful. I'm so-and-so. What's your name? Welcome and blah, blah. And it was just, I was home. Wow. Um, yeah, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And the <laughs> worship was amazing. Like the singers were great. And I'm like, my ears were pricking up to what was happening around. Yeah. And I'm like, this is just awesome. I don't know what it is, but it's awesome. Yeah. Love the worship. Love the music. <laughs> love the fact that they came and took Finn out of my arms. And I just started crying. And I didn't stop crying for three years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so oh, that's when
0: you know it's the Holy Spirit, it was eh? God, yeah. totally yeah. God.
1: And because I'd sort of already committed my life to Him, then it was just a, a journey from there. So it was a real special time. And the church is North City Church here in Christchurch, and um,
0: North City, church.
1: North City. So so grateful, so grateful that God put me in that place. So yeah, for the next three years, I. Um, Journey with a, a mentor, one of my mentors, Irene, a beautiful lady who's now gone to be with Jesus. But uh, for those of you who m- might be listening, you may have heard of a, a healing prayer type form, which is called theophostic. It's along the lines of so-so or it's sort of like a healing prayer where basically um, God takes you on your journey of your life to, to, to pull out all those lies and those, uh, those beliefs about yourself that are not from mm-hmm. him. Yep. So when we believe that we're worthless or useless, that we're not good enough, mm. that He removes those lies, all those mm. arrows, and replaces yep. it with His truth, basically. Yeah. So I did that. Um, it's called Theophostic. Theo mean uh, got to make sure I got it. God and Phostic is light, so God's light, basically. Yep. And it's amazing. It was my. saving grace and completely transformed me. So for three years, I journeyed with my mentor, Irene, and I would visit her home and we would just pray. We Mm. would talk about memories, things that were were bugging me as an adult now that I was struggling with, wondering why I'm struggling with it. So for example, a guy cuts me off in the car and I just want to you know I'd want to punch his lights out <laughs> rather than giving him grace and yeah. so where's that anger coming from it's stemming from here it's stemming from there and stemming from there so God took me on a journey of of just yeah removing those lies about who I was and replacing it with his truth which was just incredible Wow and the truth is that we are his precious children that we are um, to be used for his glory and that mm. we are worthy of you know so many things. Yeah, Mm. and that we can, yeah, that we that we're not useless, that we're not fat and ugly, that we're not uh, worthless, and you're never going to make it here, or never going to be able to do that, and Mm. which was what I was told for 14 years. Yeah. So that verbal attack that comes over it, the the, the tongue is so powerful, right? Yeah, it's so powerful. But when God speaks and He tells you, uh, you know, directly from from Him, that's when the freedom comes. Mm. Oh, when
0: God speaks. Things happen. Mm. Yeah. That's the difference between when we speak and when God yeah. speaks. When God speaks, planets are born. Yeah, totally. You know, things move. So when he speaks and he's saying, you know, you mm. are my child
1: mm.
0: that's just what it what it is. Yeah. It's so that, that just happened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's so great yeah. because people, your friends can tell you, you know, that you're beautiful every day, yeah. but if you don't believe yeah. in that you, it'll just go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. But when God tells you you're beautiful, that, yeah. that's that is that's got that spiritual,
0: yeah. you know. Well, Even if incredible. you are the ugliest duckling ever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. when God says you're beautiful, yeah. you become that that's beautiful right. swan because yeah. yeah. He is no man that He should lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it just happens. Yeah, and that's so
1: cool, <laughs> eh? That's awesome. So you, so I went through a long time of that healing and going past flats that I used to live in and. And actually, when I would go to that flat, I would start getting anxious and nervous driving past. And so, yep. during this theophastic session, you know, God might take me to that flat and heal heal me. And so mm. the next day, I'd go past it, and there would just be no emotion, wow. because that the truth was, yeah. like it just sets you free, right? Yeah. And so just cuts it off the emotion the, the emotions that's tied to these things that as adults we struggle with. Um, when God speaks, it's mm. no longer there. Mm. The emotion's gone. The memory's mm. there. And, and the house is still there that you drive past, mm-hmm. yeah. But the emotion that was tied to that is is no longer, yeah. So what happened during this period when when I left Graham uh, after I left after I left him, he would he would come round to my to the the flat that Finn and I had and would steal money or just knock the door in and just take stuff. And at, at first I was like, no, you're not going to take it, and I would try and fight him and try and close the door and. Hide, you know, hide the money so he couldn't get it, and and then I would get hurt because mm. he would just push his way in anyway. Yeah. Mm. And it was one night that God said, "Why are you fighting? I like, just let him in, give it to him. Like it's it's my kingdom. Like hand it over.
2: Yeah. Wow. I'm
1: gonna be your, you know, I'm your provider. I'm, your provider. Wow. I'm gonna be your 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 giver. Yeah. When you yeah. need something, you ask me. And so it it was like when he used to come around, I just unlock the door and let him in. Mm. And it got so bad, though, for a while that I used to hide money in 20 different places around the flat so that if he came, I'd be able to hand him something and I'd say, that's all I've got. But then my secret stashes <laughs> around the all flat, over the uh, all over the place, so at least I had some for milk or whatever, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, but it got to that point where it was like, come on in, I'll give you what you need plus more. Like, I'll give you whatever you need. Mm. It's time now that you, you're not going to no longer hurt me. And, and for a lot of people with... Um, with the upbringing that he had, it's all about control, and so coming in with the door locked and forcing his way in and mm. fighting, I'm going to get in because I'm going to control you. Mm. As soon as I let the door open to say, "Come on and help yourself," the control's no, it's it's gone. Yeah, yeah. and then True. it becomes boring. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to come to you any longer. Mm. I want to go somewhere where I can get that control. Yeah, you yeah. know.
0: And not 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 that Graham was your enemy. No, but Jesus says. Love yes. your enemies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: <laughs> and it was so true because yeah. as soon as I let the door in, he just got bored of it mm. and went away. And I'm like, thank wow. you, Lord. <laughs> Only God would yeah. know, <laughs> you know, to do that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it was quite an interesting kind of light bulb moment for me. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, let's just let's just bless him.
0: That is really cool.
1: And, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so life kind of carries on. I go back into teaching a couple of days of the week. Um, Finn's growing up beautifully. I protected Finn for a little while from Graham because uh, unfortunately he started um, delving in pee a little bit and uh, so things got worse before they got better basically. Mm. Mm. So I ended up having to get a protection order because uh, when he came into the flat one day, um, he basically open hand slapped me and it wasn't a punch. Wow. Thank you, Lord. But he slapped me across the face, and I actually helped, had Finn in my arms. Mm. And Finn started crying because he was at the age where he was probably recognizing what was happening. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it was that moment then that I said no more. Mm. And so I met with my mentor, beautiful Irene, and said, I need to do something about this. So went to the police, and I had photo evidence of years of um, bruises, uh, and I shared my story. I'm not sure if you guys or anyone mm. listening who – probably have, have heard of Invader, which is a, a Christian organization who go to Thailand to get young girls out of the sex trade mm-hmm. in Thailand. Um, it's called Invader. And the police officer that I worked with at the time was part of Invader as well. So he was a Christian. And I'm like, oh, God, you're so looking after me. The, the police worker who's going to order this protection order over my life is a Christian. So we had to go through this process with the courts and have a, uh, have a day in court and it turns out that the judge was a Christian. Oh, really? <laughs> my police worker was a Christian. Graham didn't have a lawyer. No. I didn't have a lawyer, but I had my mentor, Irene. No. And so the, in the day of court, on the day of court, so it was a full day in court to go over our life story and what was happening and blah, blah, for the judge to make the des- decision what, what was going to happen. Protection order was granted. So I have a, life, a lifelong prote- protection order, basically. They don't lift when you've got a protection order. You've got it for life. Because anything could happen at any moment, and, mm. and if you pick up one one one, if your phone's connected, they'll just they'll just know to come and, and just be aware of that. I haven't had to use it. Thank Jesus for that. Um, mm. But I've got it. So I just remember on that day, I I was really strong and and had the Lord like just mm. sitting right next to me. I was grunty and ready to go,
2: yeah. and
1: Graham was breaking in the corner, crying the whole way through. Wow! And it was just like it was on that day that I really felt Holy Spirit go, do you know what, enough's enough already. Yeah. And it's it's time now that, um, yeah, this stops. Mm. So wow. I was granted a little bit of money paid back for, for my mental health over that time, and Graham had to do some anger management classes as well mm. and give back to the community with some hours in the community. Uh, and from that day, I started to get the control back, not in mm. an unhealthy control way, but just to get my life back, yeah. Mm, yeah. to find yeah. out who I was. What, what does Carla look like again after 14 years of, of this lifestyle? Mm. Uh, living in a box, living with no friends, knowing mm. that if I go out, I'll probably get smashed in when I get home because where have I been? Who have you been yeah, with? The whole, yeah. the whole psyche that goes along with a relationship, an unhealthy relationship like that, is, is tough. Mm. So it was really exciting to find out who I was again. Uh, and with a protection order in place, I just started to, yeah, started moving away and getting my strength. And it was during that time that I uh, allowed, with the with the courts in place, for Graham to see Finn again, because mm. I protected him for a little while. Just, uh, to, to, but I knew that Finn had to be a part of his life, and Graham a part of his. Um, I just knew that if, with the protection order and with the police court hearing, because my police officer, the guy from Invader, did say that you have enough evidence here to put Graham in jail, but I didn't. Didn't want to do that. Mm. I didn't want to do that because I, I kind of felt, and it could be wrong, but I felt that he would probably end up taking his life in jail, mm. the same as his brother did. Because if I can't see my son, you know, mm. I'm in jail. What? You, I don't know if that happen, would have happened or not, mm. but I sense it wasn't the right thing to do to send him to yep. jail. Yep. Yep. So I, working with a Christian police officer was the best thing. I could just say, I feel from God not to do this. Mm. I want him to wake up to what he's done. I want it to stop, but I don't want to send him to jail yeah, and it was so so nice we would We would even pray the police officer and I. it was just so beautiful yeah, that's cool um so it's, yeah, it's
0: one of those things uh we say this a lot on our podcast, but many Western Christians actually have it wrong when they think that Jesus or God or all religion is or Christian religion is to make. Good uh, Bad people, good. Mm. That's not what Jesus came to do. Yeah. He came to make dead people alive. alive yeah. yeah. And when you realize that, you know Graham's dead. He's mm. acting mm. in the sinful way. It's a nature thing. Not yeah. that there's an excuse or anything. Yeah. But there's mercy because you know you want him. Like you said, you want him to wake up. Mm. And what does that look like? Like mm. what could, what could turn him around? Mm you want him to wake up to Christ. Like that's what it is. Yeah. Because that's what happened to you. You woke up, you know, (laughs) in that that (laughs) one, one, one flat, you know, you you just said, Lord, Mm. take me, I'm ready, you
1: know. Yeah. No, that's so cool. So, yeah, we um, just, I'm just going to jump forward a little bit now, I, I guess, and, um, After the court procedure, life just kind of carried on, and I went back to teaching. Um, Finn was awesome. He's such a little independent young man. He went to to preschool pretty much full time because he just loves people. Love that, you know. Bye, mum. See you later. No problem. (laughs) You leave me, basically. You go and earn the money and come back. And it was great. And so we had a little bit of shared care there for a while, and he was seeing Graham, which was awesome. And Graham's the best, best father. Amazing. Just. You know, through this journey and actually separating and leaving him has just yep. been the best thing for both mm. of us. Wow, yeah. look at that! And it's so Amazing. cool. And the gambling actually, I don't, I don't uh, suggest this, but he took the journey of um, he was hypnotized, and it's oh, really? not something that I, you know, wouldn't huh. en- yep. encourage. And yep. at the time, I was really a fear about it, but yep. seriously, he, he 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 stopped gambling. I, he stopped I gambling enough after a lot it, and neither do I. And I was very d- cautious about yeah, it yeah. <laughs> because, you know, those spiritual things that are not of God can be very, very challenging. True, yeah. yeah. Um, but I I do believe that in that courtroom it was Holy Spirit that mm. transformed him on that day. Mm.
2: Yeah. So,
1: yep, he went and got hypnotized, but I still put it down to God changing him in that courtroom <laughs> on that <laughs> yeah. day because, yeah. you know, there's only one true Jesus, right? Absolutely. And so... um yeah, he stopped gambling and uh overnight, stopped gambling. Like wow. that's incredible. Mm. Same sort of it's thing like with a Nina. Answer, yeah, right big time, yeah, big time. Yeah. Big time. Uh so yep. Yeah. And he runs a very, very good business here in Christchurch now, a roofing company, and earning great money. And um drives an amazing car, lives in an amazing house, has been remarried and uh they have a lovely life. And Finn lives with his father, so um, been very, very sporty. He started playing tennis when he was five and is now probably top three players in New Zealand for his age group. He's got oh, wow. a world that ranking as well. Got a world ranking of about 600 and something wow. at the wow. moment. <laughs> so, you know, God's just been incredible. And that um, is amazing. During this period as well, while I was teaching, I did a lot of relief teaching. And I remember driving past a private school here in Christchurch, St. Andrew's College, and Relief teaching's tough, you know. You'd know, Joel, your mum's a teacher. And I I know as a relief teacher, the kids don't have a relationship with you, so Mm -hmm. it's often quite difficult. Mm -hmm. I remember driving past this private school and I said to God, oh, this is so hard right now, Lord. Put me in a school like that one. And um, a month later, the chaplain who teaches children about Jesus, a religious education teacher, uh, needed some maternity cover and a, quite a good friend of mine and she said to the principal of the school I know a, a lady who would be perfect at this job <laughs> so they gave me a call and so not only did I end up in that private school I was the religious education teacher and the wow. chaplain for wow. the prep school and so I was teaching all the children in the prep school about God my way yeah, with my cool. reps and my cool YouTube clips yeah. and it was really <laughs> really cool and it was the best time wow. I've had in a long time with kids uh, so with my teaching background, God really used that in, that in that year to transform those children's lives about him. So did you fun. rap about Jesus? We rapped about Jesus. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's cool. And, we, and I had some of the toughest students there, so I changed the name from religious religious education to, to relationship studies because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it was a relationship. So to me, it's about relationship, not yeah. a religion. So when people say to me, oh, are you re- religious? I often will say no. Mm. I have a relationship yeah. with yeah. with Jesus Christ, and so I changed it. And the kids would, um, some of the tougher students would be like, "Oh, where's Mrs. G? I want to go to re- relationship studies." And it was, I was just like, "What the heck's happening in this school with, <laughs> wow. with religious studies?" And these kids who want to come and learn about Jesus, yeah. And it's so cool to be used by God. Use your strengths to, you know, relate. Number three, relate to. To draw people in, but it's not me, it's yeah. totally Holy, Holy Spirit mm. yeah. who is, is working through me to mm. reach out to these children in a way that he knows is going is to grab them, yeah. and um, even to this day I, I shared a, a chapel service, and a little bit about my testimony in the chapel service, and I had some parents in tears during that time, and the emails that came back after that week of me sharing were just really cool and just, you know, who's this lady? Like mm. My kids are even talking about her at home and I'm like, it's it's an honour, but I know it's not me. Like, mm. it's so glory yeah. to God. Like, it's just incredible. Um, But how cool it is to be used for him in that yeah. way as well. It, it it's just so, cool. so exciting. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, and then Finn, my son, who uh, plays tennis, ends up in that school going there on a scholarship. And so here we are a broken family, ex-husband raised in Black Power, no money, stealing yeah. for food, and a few years down the track, you know, more than a few. Here's my son in a yeah. private school in Christchurch on yeah. a scholarship for tennis. Um, his father's got a great business who pays financially for everything for Finn. Wow. We have a, we have a verbal agreement now that I that so I uh, he's never paid child maintenance because I've felt that. I just want to be a good person. Like I, yeah. I don't need money. Like yeah. we, for my, for my, I live by faith. I live yeah. by faith every day, and I have a, I have a great job. I love my job, but I know that God is my provider, mm. and so, you know, even losing five hundred thousand dollars on a home or anything like that, it's stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and you can't take it with you. You know, what we want to take with us is yeah. leaving a legacy about God and what He's done in our lives. It's so good. Hence the reason why I called out to you guys, and so, um. You know, Graham's making great money and he pays for Finn's clothing. I've never taken a cent from him. He just pays for everything for Finn. And so it's such, it's it's a good setup. up. Mm. Yeah. And it was my choice to say, I don't want any money from you. Don't mm. pay child maintenance. If you can afford to pay for Finn's tennis mm. coaching, which isn't cheap. Yeah. And it's, you know, three times a week. Yeah. And, it's, and we have a, an agreement where we, uh, my husband Wayne and I, we, we, we go half when we can. Mm. Um but, you know, going to a private school for him was just incredible. Yeah. So it's it's been a real journey. And during this time, so going back a little bit, my beautiful husband, who I love and adore, God brought this incredible man, Wayne, whose same name as my father, into my life when Finn was about four years old. And again, yeah. I protected Finn from, from relationships because I wasn't sure. But after about six weeks of being with Wayne um, in my messy situation, uh, Going through all this junk with with Graham and um, declaring bankruptcy of seven twenty seven thousand dollars and doing all that stuff, Wayne was just this person who was in my life. Uh, my friend Marie said, "You need a fridge." Like the fridge was repose- repossessed, you need a fridge for milk because I had no no fridge, so my milk was in a bucket of cold water. She said, "I know this guy who'll get you a fridge." Um, he's a he's a friend of my daughter's her, her, her father, Christian guy um uh, he his father knows people in churches so they'll be able to find you a fridge it'll be all good so um yeah i met my husband Wayne over a fridge because he found me a fridge <laughs> and That's he awesome. was a christian guy and
2: i loved that it was
1: awesome and so my first husband Graham Mori big into weights tattoos Quite a very, you know, you'll see him coming down the street, sort of fella, mm. to <laughs> Wayne, who's pakia, bald, really skinny, and I'm like, oh no, I can't do this. This is really weird. This is so opposite to what I'm used to. Yeah. But one night when he was there, I we were really good friends, and I said I'd like to cook you a meal just to thank you for being in my life and supporting, you know, mm. supporting me just as a friend. And he would drop off. He was he was a truck driver, and he would deliver food from you know, Wellington to Christchurch or picked into Christchurch. And so one night he had leftover watermelon and he would drop off the watermelon just because. So I'm like, okay, come and have a meal. I just want to thank you. So I cook him a meal and and that night I felt God say, you know, I've heard God's audible voice twice in my journey with him. And it was one night that I heard him say very, very clearly enough to turn around and go, actually, who's who's in my kitchen? He basically said, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? And he said, I've given you this most amazing man.
0: Mm. Don't
1: hold back. Wow. So it was that night that we kissed and a year and a half later we were married. <laughs> so it was just, I just awesome. knew from the start that, yeah, he was, he was going to be, you know, just so good. And he has been incredible. Uh, a man of God and a man for people. And um, he's belief as well in his top five. And so yeah. we're, we're very much community people. So I'm just going to run through now because I'm, I'm aware of time, but I, I um, just wanted to tell you with Wayne and I what we're doing now in our life with the Lord because yes. that's, that's like where it all yeah. happens. This is where the fire comes to life and God is just incredible. So Wayne and I got married and, um, yeah, it was it, it was a really awesome time and we decided that we would try for for children. And um, so we've been married 13 years now and so – uh, I fell pregnant and we lost four babies after that and so um, baby number one we named Hope and um, don't know boy or girl but we do, do believe that Jesus has our babies in heaven mm-hmm. and we are to name them as part of our healing journey mm-hmm. Yeah. and so um, Hope num- number one was a, a blighted ovum and a blighted ovum is basically when you're pregnant um, but um, there's there's the yolk sac's there, but there's no fetus that will actually form, and so your hormones are going crazy. Ladies who are listening, you know all about hormones when you're pregnant, um, but there was no, there's no fetus, so we've got to go into hospital and get that that sorted. Uh, number two, I fell pregnant again, and we named that baby Joshua. And number two was a a, a molar pregnancy. So a molar pregnancy is when you are pregnant and you're carrying the baby. Uh, went in for the scan, you see baby's heartbeat, and it's all going well, but baby's never going to survive. And so after about 12 to 13 to 14 weeks, baby dies off. So back into hospital, sort mm-hmm. that one out. And so over about a two 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 and a half year period, it was a tough time for us. Um, emotionally draining and absolutely, yeah, yeah, really, really tough. Number three was the same as number one baby, another blighted ovum, so... I'm like, okay, Lord, what's happening here? This is nuts, absolutely crazy. I've been through enough in my life now. There's more challenge to come. Uh, So we named number three Eli Samuel. So Eli was number three. Number four, uh, I was in worship practice, so I love singing. I've been a worship leader at North City for a number of years. Um, Not at the moment, but um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, At worship practice and the most intense pain in my belly. So I um, went straight home. Wayne called the ambulance, went into the hospital. And um, a few, uh, I was bleeding internally, so they had to go in um, to get that sorted. And while I was in there, they said, did you realize that you were pregnant? And I said, no, I had no idea. Um, but they're saying that it probably just was an ectopic, so it went through my fallopian tubes and on its way out. And so we named number four Harmony. So, yeah, that was a really, really hard time. And um, we decided that after after number four that was enough because emotionally I was whacked and it was just too hard to go through another one. The the, the one and three babies, so Hope and Eli were very, very dangerous when you have an, a blighted ovum um you, have, you can't get pregnant for a year, but you've also got to have blood tests every week to make sure your hormone levels come back down because mm. otherwise it can be come into blood poisoning and you, it's very, very dangerous. Wow. Mm. So I wasn't willing to ha- have that risk again. So, yeah, you know, there's always a challenge there and there was questions, why not? Why not mm. us? My beautiful mentor who passed away, Irene, once gave us a word that was we're going to be parents to many, many, many people and I've held on to that because it was a tough time to lose and wayne, um, Wayne's wayne got a daughter, Amy, who's now 30. And so we have got a child each uh, joining families, tough time, but we always just hoped that we'd have one ourselves. And uh, unfortunately that never happened, but um, we are parents to many, mm. many, many people in, in along in our, in our journey. So, you know, God's God's got them and they're in a good place and yeah. I had to go through a real... Uh, a real healing time of of knowing that and um yeah when I talk about them it's hard but mm. God's got them and it, it's okay
2: mm.
1: yeah so what we're doing now is um so I work here at the Graham Dingle Foundation which is an amazing place I'm a manager for Kiwican leaders who work in lower decile schools and we teach children um life skills and, and values which is just awesome and I always thought that I'd teach forever, but God had a different story. So overnight, He said that you're not going back to teaching, and I'm like, "What? This is not going to happen." And at the time, Wayne was travelling the nation, um, doing animal health, so visiting farms and and um, uh, silage and silage pits, and you know, selling mm-hmm. a, 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 um, a product called inoculant, which would keep the grass alive to then feed out to cattle and things over winter. So he was away Monday to Friday in in the early years of our marriage. And and so we didn't really know a lot about each other because we got married after a year and a half and it was pretty quick. And so it was like, okay, you're away now Monday to Friday and I'm in my teaching space and doing things and it was nuts. And Overnight, God said, you're not going back to teaching, and Wayne wanted to give up his job, and so we were unemployed for like six months, and we lived off our savings for a while, and it was the best six months of our lives because (laughs) our marriage came together well, and we learned about each other, and we had a blast. Wow, It was awesome. (laughs) 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 So, uh, yeah, so we were were just living life for about six months not knowing what was next. But for me to not teach was just so random because... You know, I'd had 16 years in the classroom. I absolutely mm. loved yeah. children. I just knew I was born to be around children and make a difference. And um, just God said no, no more. And so it was like every every role that I applied for, mm. um, I won. I won the position. Mm-hmm. And every every CV that I put in, it was like 12 o'clock at night. It was I was like it was due in that next morning, and it was rushed. And and God's God's just this crazy sense of humor going on. We're just going to see how much you can cope here put me under pressure to apply for every job but i won every job and so i've been so blessed with my work and what i've what i've done over the years which has just been incredible Uh, my Mm. first role i was up against 250 people for the teaching job you know and he chooses me so it's so amazing when i look back so yeah after being unemployed for six months or so um learning about each other it was really awesome uh i decided that I would apply for a job at North City Church for community support worker. So I worked with families in need and um, just supported people in the community, and that was great. I did that for about nine months. And during that time, North City Church had an op shop in the community, and so um, I love clothes, I love fashion, and and uh, so we were part of the op shop for a while, just supporting and volunteering, and the, the North City Church wanted the op shop off the building because you know, obviously there was a big space being used and so they just felt it was time to end it. And so they offered it to Wayne and I and said, would you guys like to do anything with this op shop? So Wayne and I prayed about it and really, really asked Father about what to do and and we really felt to take it out to the community. And so we took it off site of North City, went out to the community for three years and ran the op shop. And um, Wayne did the sort of the back back ways of the op shop, unloading the bins. So we've got a couple of bins in the community Uh, and the Op Shop, we're probably one of the largest outreaches for the homeless here in Christchurch. Wow. So we give between sort of three to five bags a week to the homeless for clothes. We have connections in the community that pick up from us and clothe them. That's amazing. Mm. That's awesome. So at the moment there's a big community um, in Christchurch who have lost jobs from the absolutely, and, yeah. you know like all over the nation at the moment it's really really yeah. tough
0: the pandemic's just, just I mean, totally the amount of homeless yeah. that have been caused from that you know yeah. like god's Massive. put you right there yeah. for the right reason at the right time yeah, yeah so we've so had cool.
1: the we've had the op up now for almost seven years and it's it's been interesting because it's really only wayne and i that run it and mm. so I work here full-time, and then I go home yeah. in the evening yeah. and price and sort clothes. Yeah. So our garage is like a bomb site. <laughs> There's <laughs> clothes and shoes and handbags for Africa. You know, that's just yeah. everywhere, but um, we really feel to do it because it's such an outreach. Mm. Yeah. So we, we have the op shop. Um, we take a small income from it, so Wayne takes a very small income from it. The rest of it's an outreach. So we yeah. we um, financially support a free meal through church every, every Wednesday for folk who are struggling. Yeah. Um, we also have a scholarship through the hip-hop studios at, at North wow. City Church. Oh, wow. so so we we have a scholarship where parents can't afford to send their children through dance school, yeah. um, which is also a, a great ministry in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the homeless, and then we have families in need that we support as well. So at home, I've kind of got homeless, and then I've got the children's hub that we give to. Mm. Uh, this family here needs, you know, children three age five, three to five or whatever, um, and then we've just got. This big line of clothes, and I just sort and throw them into the correct bag. Yeah. it's a massive, it's a massive job. Yeah. Uh and and I, we just keep saying to the Lord, "You need to tell us when our time is up with mm. that," mm. Um, because I'm I'm ready whenever He is, yeah. because it is exhausting. Mm. Yeah. And um, we've had the, the the op shop for a long time now, but it's great. And recently, we moved out to North Canterbury, so we're living in Redwood here in in, in Christchurch. But Wayne and I, our dream was to always have a bit of land around us. And so we've always been praying into that. And um, we thankfully had the opportunity. So Wayne's folk are old. They're still with us today, but they wanted to bless us with a little bit of inheritance before they pass mm. so that they get to see you know, what we put that towards. And so mm. we were blessed to move out to North Canterbury and we both walked down on the deck of this house, looked at each other and said, we're going to do weddings here. So right now we've just opened up a wedding venue out home. Wow! So that's wow. happened. We've been there for a year, and the wedding venue is up and running. It's called Two Become One.
0: To become that's two cool. Become One. Two Become One. So out of
1: the book of Mark, yeah. And we'll, To Become um, One Flesh. Yeah.
0: We can we can put a link to that in yeah, the cool. in the yeah. description. Awesome. Yep.
1: Yeah. And our heart behind having the wedding venue is for – it's an affordable wedding venue. So our heart is to see young people who can't afford, you know, mm. your $5,000 wedding package yeah. to come and get married with us on yeah. a real uh, good, yeah. a good price. And um, you can have everything for under, you know, $2,000, including seats, including an archway. Yeah. Uh, and my, my next thing is to become a celebrant this year. Yeah. And so I'd love to be able to marry people and just, um, yeah. yeah, be used that way. Cool. To get people married because yeah. people need to be married, you know, mm. especially young ones who, who, who are on a budget who can't afford to be married. So that's our heart behind To Become One. Yeah. And um, that's really exciting. So we've got, we've got a great little venue out there as well, beautiful property. We've got 5.3 yeah. hectares. Sorry. Wow. 13 hectares, 5.3 acres. Oh,
0: wow. wow. Okay. So
1: a few stock and a few little sheep and things. So, yeah. So, yeah, you know, you think, you think it's um, hard, but – God's got other things planned and yeah. when you can when you can lay your life down for him mm. uh just watch this space because he's got bigger plans for
0: for all of
1: us. And um yeah, just want to encourage people who are listening that, you know, if he can transform my life out of being so broken and not knowing whether I'm Arthur or Martha or it's Monday or Sunday <laughs> that he has just got such a bigger a bigger plan in store. Absolutely. And, um, and also, just before I finish, and just before I wrap up, um, I love worship. Uh, I, I my way of finding the Lord is through worship, and um, I think sometimes you forget how He connects with us, and so we've got to lean into what we know works with the Lord. Yeah, mm. you know, He can heal us through a worship song. He can heal us through a word. He can hear heal us through a, a podcast, just like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to encourage you, you know, find out your strengths. If you don't know your strengths, find them out. Uh, get, get people around you who can speak into your life to give you, you know, to encourage you to, to go, this is what you're good at. This is, this is what, these are the shoes that you need to walk in, not those shoes over there just because they look nice. They're not the right ones for you. These ones here are the right ones, and these are the ones that God has for you. And when you put those shoes on, you do up those shoelaces, they're going to feel so comfortable. So, so comfortable. And you're not going to give a stuff about your neighbor's shoes because your ones are just going to be perfect for you. So (laughs) I've learned over the years that, and it's funny, having an op shop, I've got like endless shoes that I can (laughs) choose from. And I've had this theme with shoes that I'm now going to always wear comfortable shoes. Mm -hmm. If they're too tight, forget it. If they're too big, forget it. They yeah. have to be perfect because yeah. God wants me work, walking in perfect shoes.
2: Yeah,
1: And that's just kind of like a metaphor, yeah. if you can understand that. He wants us walking in perfect shoes, but they're his shoes. Mm. They're his shoes that he's given us. And so if you love worship but you're not really good at worship, find what you're good at because mm. he's going to use where you're good. Mm. True. He's going to use your strengths and where you can make a difference and it needs to feel comfortable, it needs to feel light, and you it needs to be exciting. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Lord, Lord show make me. it obvious, what, yes. what am I good at? Because yeah. a lot of
0: people don't, yeah. don't know how to self-evaluate. Yeah. And it is hard to self-evaluate, you know, when you go, yeah, what am I good at? You know, mm. it's a weird thing to ask yourself. Mm. But, um, yeah. yeah, I like what you said earlier, you know, find a, a group of people around yeah. you um, that love you and care for you and ask them, what mm. I'm trying to find out what my strengths are. Can you help yeah. me? Yeah. What am I good at?
1: What makes me tick? Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah definitely so yeah isn't God good? He's so, so good. good, so good. good and um just to yeah, you know, Graham's here working now, and Finn lives with Graham, and I've got a great mm. relationship. I've got a great relationship with Graham. The door's open for me anytime. I could go in and have a meal with them, mm. no problem, uh, the communication's great, he's such a good support. I can ring him if I'm worried about Finn or you know, yeah, and I realize that sometimes. Uh, when you come out of a broken relationship, you can it can make you bitter and twisted, mm. especially when children are involved. Mm. Yeah. It's sometimes really difficult to put yourself aside for your children. You know, mm. um, we've got a cool guy walking outside with his beats going. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, putting that aside and realizing that it's about our kids and what's best for them.
0: Yeah, so true. And with
1: with God in the midst of that, you know, Finn was mm. young and he used to pray. Mm. When he was when he was younger, to a dad who didn't even know Jesus, and mm. he would pray for the family, and you know, God's got bigger picture. Yeah. He's got a bigger picture in mind. So, yeah. yeah, just if you're listening, just you know, and you're in that battle between relationships and children, and and I know it's really hard to put it aside, but you 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 kids need to see their parents. Mm. Mm. They need to be with their parents, and um, so long as they're safe. And they're well loved and they're looked after and they're fed and they're warm. Mm. You know, they need to see their parents. And we've got to put our stuff aside sometimes to allow that happen. And then again, work with someone to get over, Mm. you know, your hurt and your Mm. your hardship. Yeah. Um, Because we want to be set free of that. We don't want to walk around bitter and Mm. and negative because God doesn't want that for our life either. Because how can we be a light for Him if we're carrying that stuff on us? Yeah. That's so good. So, yeah. So good.
0: Um, so yeah, just had one note that I wrote down earlier, yeah. um, which I just thought was really, really neat. Um, at the, at the point where you, uh, had come back to New Zealand and, um, you had brought all of those things on HP and they came back and they repossessed everything that you owned mm. and you went, you said that there was a relief mm. that overtook you. That there was a, the, that all of the old things that you had almost relied on were taken from you and you said that that was a relief and I just got this picture of the waters of baptism Mm -hmm. and it was all of those things that you think you need for life are taken from you and you don't realize that how good that new start is Mm -hmm. until you're stripped bare and God's like now it begins, mm. you know, I'm mm. going to, I'm going to take you from here and and I'm going to take away this house that you've built on the sand and we're going to start on the bedrock, yeah. the rock of Christ. And mm. it was, that, that is moments before you found that one, one, one flat. Yeah. And yeah. that flat is the one that you found Christ at. Mm. And, um, Yeah, I'm assuming I'm just going to pull Mm. your mum and your sister back into the story. I'm assuming that they're fully aware that you found Christ and and all this, and they'll be over the moon.
1: Yeah. So just recently, I went home to Nelson and had some time with Nina. So we have we've had a broken relationship for years, way back from you know 15, Mm -hmm. and um, haven't had a lot to do with each other's lives. and like I said before, she's a prophet, so she often comes to Christchurch, and she would mm. never reach out or come and visit. And I was always intrigued why you wouldn't make the time and effort to come and see me. And it would always bug me big time. Mm. Why can't you? No, I'm, wi- I'm willing. <laughs> I want yeah. I want to give yeah. you the olive leaf. Please take it. Mm. Um, and so I would share this. I shared this recently with my supervisor for work, um, Emma, a really good friend of mine as well. She said, so what are you going to do about it? You can't let that eat you up.
0: What mm. are you going to
1: do? I'm like, well, I could call her and tell her. She said, "Yes, call her and tell her." So I just last week actually called my sister and um, said that it really, it really hurts when you come to Christchurch and we we don't see each other. Mm. Um, I really want to restore, you know, mm. our relationship. And finding out after all this time that she was actually quite scared to do that because oh, wow. because of my personality type and I'm yeah. quite forceful that it was quite scary for her to be yeah. in my presence because it would just rise rise everything up again. Mm. And so she that's why she never visits yeah. or didn't want to.
0: Yeah, it wasn't because she didn't love you. No, yeah. no, yeah. it
1: was just because she was frightened of it being... Mm. So I said, I just want to sit with you on the couch. I want to you know, I want to argue, I want to cry, I want to laugh, I want to Mm. talk about our old times to get through this so that we can start building a relationship. So Mm. she said, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I just was in Nelson just this week and we went out for dinner and we were talking about, so she's a number eight as well, like I said before, and we were laughing about number eights and (laughs) we had a meal together and we had a drink together and we went to the old dairy that we lived around the corner, we went to our old house that dad built, we remembered that and um
0: So remind me, is the number eight, is that like eight out of ten or something? So
1: so yeah there's there's one to nine in the Enneagram yeah. Yeah. and the eight is just that powerful character. Okay. Yeah. Um so, so each number is a different Each number's type a different of type of yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought
0: it might have been a scale. No. I might have been like a fifteen at that point. <laughs> no, yeah, no, <laughs> out <of> yeah. Nine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, we had a walk along the beach and we hugged and uh, Nina apologised for never being there as my sister growing up. Mm. Uh, and like I said, it's years, you know. She's 53, I'm 50, and, and it's the first time since we're 12, 15 that we've had this open conversation. Yeah. And so, yeah, so mum and Nina and Nelson doing life. Nina's a top real estate agent. Really? Uh, top in South Island, doing really well, selling million-dollar homes on the port hills. Wow. Um,
0: That's pretty And cool.
1: she got a word from the Lord about finances that it would – just be continually coming and for her to use that finances to grow the kingdom.
0: Yeah. What a blessing. Um,
1: So incredible. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is incredible. So mum's, yeah, mum's a follower. Nina's a follower. I'm a follower. Yeah. And, um, it's tough to go home. So Mm -hmm. in Nelson, I can do two days and then I'm done. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: But it's still because I'm on my healing journey Mm -hmm. with my family. And, um, and then there's dad in the picture as well. And dad lives in Australia. So from the eight, like I said when he left, we haven't had a lot to do with Dad, and so that's now starting to come up again mm. now too. Yeah. Yeah. That we want him back in our lives. We don't want him dying and not knowing who he is, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. we've got a booked uh, a uh, trip booked in October mm. this year with Dad, Good. my oh, sister, nice. cool. and just to now we can get over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. Actually, he's coming here. We're going. Oh, oh, we're cool. going to go down to Invercargill,
0: yeah, where
1: he was born and raised, and okay. spend some time with him and unpacking. Mm. Why left, what did that look like? What did it feel oh, yeah. like? What did it sound like? Yeah. Let's try and um yeah, reconcile. That's mm. really cool. So we're still on um, the journey, but God's yes. in it, which is the most important thing. God's yeah. in
0: it, yeah. And he's definitely definitely working with you and your whole family. Like mm. you can see, like each person's getting influenced by Christ and all that. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the Jesus Magna. That was an awesome story. I'm stoked with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that anybody listening, you know, you're going to be over the moon and blessed with that. And, uh, yeah, we just pray that you, you continue with us on the Jesus mag- Magnet. Thank you, Carla. You're amazing. You're welcome. You have a strong, strong testimony, and it's definitely going to reach, you know, the right people at the right time. That is, does. Yeah, that is one that is definitely needed. Cool.